Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Did you, America? Welcome to Did You America Season 2, Episode... Oh, I lost track. Well, we lost track. We were down for a week. It's been a long week. Yeah, we were out, like all of Texas. The power went off. Did you hear? Has anyone told Ted Cruz yet? Oh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's back from Cancun. He knows he should be here. More on that later. That was a tease. I like it. Yeah. Well, I'm getting more topical now because I don't know if you know, but I'm now a part of the New York Times. What? More on that later. Man, all these teasers. It's like I'm doing uh, NBC News already. These are just the headlines. This is this is stuff normally I feel like that should go before the intro, but we'll learn that as the podcast continues. No, we're going to be like one of those TV shows that gives you like a little intro before the intro and then sets up the story. I think we need a previously on. Oh, you know what? Yeah, because the Equalizer is doing that. More on that later as well. <laughs> Queen Latifah. In fact, that was my, one of my favorite bits of uh, last night's Equalizer when she, she does the voiceover and goes, previously on the Equalizer. I'm like, oh my God, even before it started, it's like an 80s show. Man, times are tough for Queen Latifah. They even have her doing the voiceover work? Because that show is based on an 80s action show as it should be. And in all 80s action shows, the star of the show at the beginning used to say, previously seen on ah yeah see, i didn't know that no 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 that used to be the way the way that it was i come from the eras where actors can't be bothered to do that extra work fucking lazy <laughs> anyway more on that very soon so yes he's jeremy i'm camfield and uh, this is did you america and if you uh, follow the show first of all thank you very much and uh, secondly although we normally uh, load new episodes on mondays and thursdays uh, with uh, pretty good regularity i would suggest we were out for all of last week because for most of last week the power was out in texas wherever you are listening to this show um, you've probably heard that story. Uh, you know what? I, I was getting uh, a lot of people from uh, Shitsville contact me nicely saying, oh, are you okay? Because it was such a, a big news story about right. the, the Arctic storm <laughs> in the great state of Texas that um, even people in the UK heard about it. Uh, but one of the things that annoyed me was they would all send a message going, are you okay? Do you have power and water? And then I'd respond saying, oh, thanks for checking in. Yeah, I mean, it's not great, but I'm actually a lot better off than a lot of people. And then I guarantee every one of the people from Shitsville, and there were quite a few that contacted me, their, their response to me talking about having no power for six hours at a time for several days of the week and the fact that a lot of the state didn't even have running water. In the UK, the people would send a response going, Oh, yeah, I mean, it hit 32 degrees here last week, and they said we might have some sleep. I'm like, wait, it's, this isn't about you. Right. The, the There's sec- a catastrophe here. The, the second largest state in America is on some huge warning. They're having the coldest temperatures for 100 years. It hasn't been this cold since 1940-something, and the previous time it was colder was in the 1800s. You right. feigned some concern, and as soon as you found out that my water didn't 
didn't get switched off. You start telling me that in Essex, UK, it was about 34 degrees on Tuesday. Fuck off. In defense of all those people, you know the moment they got off the phone with you, they turned around to a friend and were like, I have a friend in Texas and he's dead now. <laughs> yeah, maybe they were just disappointed that I wasn't telling right. them that I... story wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, none of my livestock died. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, my power wasn't switched off. I, I hadn't had to... Re- I hadn't had to resort to uh, drinking my own urine. The spurs on the end of your boots were frozen. <laughs> they weren't twirling. <laughs> but um, it was definitely a, uh, a very trying week for, for Texas. As I said, these uh, record-breaking temperatures... Um, I was kind of lucky where I live because we did have the rotating power outages. I like that initially the power company said to expect the power to go off for between 15 and 45 minutes at a time, but it wouldn't be any worse than that. And they needed to rotate these power outages. So basically everyone's power should stay on. That lasted about an hour. And then from that point onwards, if you were some of the luckiest people in the state of Texas, which I count myself as being, your power would go go off for literally six hours might come on for about 90 minutes and then would go off for another six hours and if you were more unlucky than that you had no power at all for for three days and and no water for a period i had a friend who his neighborhood they weren't even rolling they were um straight blackout no electricity from sunday night to probably saturday at like 1 p.m so they were actually staying with me the whole time i was a little bit lucky i had rolling blackout Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then from Tuesday night on consistently had power. So that was really good. And in my neighborhood, I was actually even more lucky because we have like fire sprinkler systems in our homes. And some people in my neighborhoods, theirs froze the sprinkler burst and their garages and some people, their master bedroom flooded because Mm. of it. So I got really lucky there. In other areas though, I'm still getting screwed. Yes. We'll come to Jeremy's internet issues in a second. I'm always nervous with you and tech, though, as to whether it is actually a bad tech provider or just you because you're terrible with technology. Clearly, you forgot what happened a month ago on this podcast where I became a tech genius. Mm, this isn't my fault. Yeah. This is Company X's fault. Uh, you see, It's a great time to be a plumber, though. I, some guy got over 2,000 calls for burst pipes wow. last week alone. Um, also a great time to be one of these energy companies in Texas that uh, I, don't, I don't have this. And I don't know if it exists in other states in America, but there are some energy companies where you you basically, it's like playing the stock market with your energy. So they sell you this idea that you sign up for this energy provider and you get charged more for energy when there is more demand for energy. And, and they basically sell it as a way to save money if you're um, dealing with the hot summers in Texas, because the idea is that you get charged more as the demand for energy increases. So if it's 100 degrees outside and everyone's got their air conditioning on, the idea is that before it gets to 100 degrees, that's when you crank your air conditioning up to cool your apartment down, but then you switch right. it off when everyone else is is, is, is using it. Um, hence, the, my sort of example is it's a bit like playing the stock market, but with your energy provider. But when there were rolling power outages throughout the second biggest state in the entire country, and so everyone's trying to get power uh, during these limited amount of times, 
that's what's causing people who would normally have a utility bill for a big house of maybe a couple of hundred dollars a month to now owe sixteen thousand dollars. <laughs> right. I gotta say, thank God for cellular data because even though so many people were without power and electricity and internet for so long, we were still all able to Google so much about what the issues are with the Texas energy crisis. Like, no one knew anything about any of this stuff before this week. Now everyone knows what ERCOT is, and everyone <laughs> is pissed at ERCOT. One of my friends texted me last week. He goes, honestly, didn't know what the fuck ERCOT was until I had a reason to be pissed off about them. Now I demand answers from ERCOT. Like, the other thing that struck me about ERCOT was I, again, you're quite right, I had never heard of them before, but the guy who runs ERCOT was appearing on the TV news a lot last week because they are basically the company that was supposed to be providing power to Texas that failed the entire state throughout last week. And every time I saw this guy, he looked like the most unlikely CEO of any <laughs> company ever. He was dressed as if he was about to go underneath your car and, <laughs> and, and fix the motor. And nothing against people who are workers and mechanics, uh, they do very good jobs. Or indeed people that could have fixed the power to the great state of Texas, but he clearly wasn't going out to fix fuck all. No. And, and for the purposes of being on camera trying to apologize and give us an indication as to when the power was going to come back, you could have put a fucking tie on. I mean, he, he, I, I looked at him and I was like, you just look like a guy who should be out there fixing power lines, which clearly isn't going on because your company with you at the helm have screwed up unbelievably and yet you can't even put a suit on to go on camera to talk about it he was like screw this i should be in cancun <laughs> <laughs> yeah ted cruz um i i mean i will say this right i, I i've read the defense of of ted cruz where people say well what would he have done to make the situation better if he were here I'll tell you what he would have done. Like any sensible politician, he would have gone out with a shovel for a photo opportunity <laughs> to shovel some snow, even if it was just shoveling two bits of it for the purpose of being on the video for the TV news, and then pissed off again, because at least he would have had that video or photo opportunity to make out it at least looked like he cared, which is what <laughs> which is what all the other politicians do right. when they fly into disaster zones. They get their photo opportunity and then they fuck off again. Now, <laughs> admittedly, most of the politicians who've done that in disaster zones in the past have not really helped the situation. And it is correct to say that if Ted Cruz were here for the first few days, rather than being in Cancun with his family, he wouldn't have done anything that would have made the situation any better because that comes down to that bloke who should be wearing a fucking suit on the TV who was from ERCOT. But in the name of being a politician and what politics is about, which is essentially bullshit, you should have been here getting your picture taken in the show, Snow with a Shovel. In his defense, he did do the photo op, you know, putting waters in people's trunks. He just did it once, you know, half the state had power again. <laughs> Although, I'm all for his defense. It was clearly that bitch teen daughter's fault forcing him to go on vacation. Well, isn't Who it, does that? Isn't it all down to him being found out gossiping neighbors? I, I read that. I think it <laughs> was on TMZ that um, I think his wife basically said to their neighbors, 
oh, have you seen there's this freeze coming in? We can't bear it. It's going to be so cold. So we're going to piss off to Cancun for a few days. And then like the neighbors had this information. And then when basically Texas became a disaster area, one of the neighbors was like, hey, TMZ, I've got some information. Guess who's in Cancun getting his hair braided right now? <laughs> How awkward is it is that like, their neighbors right across the street are like huge Beto O'Rourke supporters, you know, like that's the only reason they would go that far. Or it's because they saw the Cruz family dog just like still in the window while they were all gone. And that's reason enough to kick them out of the state, if you ask me. It also is funny about how ridiculous the media is. And of course, you know, if you've listened to a lot of these podcasts, you might uh, guess that I'm not necessarily someone who dislikes Ted Cruz. You might, <laughs> right. you might draw right, that right. conclusion. But I, no. will say, I will say this. You always start to look uncomfortable when you think I'm about to get very political. Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. Just remember, I'm in the New York Times now. Um, <laughs> more on that later. Um, it, it is very amusing about the way the media treats things. So not only did uh, Ted Cruz uh, piss off to Cancun to get his beard braided, um, he leaves his dog at home in these freezing conditions. Meanwhile, there was a section of the right-wing media that was more focused on the fact that Biden's dog in the White House looked like it needed its hair brushed. Did you see that? <laughs> because because Biden has got a rescue dog, so it probably, you know, it, it he's giving it a good home. It might not look like the healthiest of dogs because it's a rescue dog. Right. And so there was a, don't talk about Ted Cruz and the freezing dog in Texas, let's focus on the fact that Biden should really be brushing the hair of his rescue dog in the White House. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, showing Biden how to do his job, but I feel like there's someone at the White House that can have the task of brushing his dog's hair. Yeah, you would have thought so. You would have thought so. Um, I'll tell you the other thing with Ted Cruz that pissed me off. Not only should he have stayed here and be shoveling snow for at least five minutes for a photo opportunity, Ted Cruz. You going off to Cancun meant that loads of the media could focus on that when they should have been focusing on the fact that uh, the governor of New York killed people in nursing homes, <laughs> lied about the numbers, and then threatened Democrats if they didn't lie about the numbers as well. That should have been a focus. And you took him away from that because you came back to Texas three days late wearing a Texas fucking state face mask at DFW airport when you flew back in and that was all the attention. Is that political enough for you? Clearly Cuomo created this storm to cover up the cover up. Oh, I'm telling you, like for Cuomo, the Ted Cruz going to Cancun was like for Marilyn Manson when Screech died. Thank <laughs> God, diversion. Can can I vent about my internet now? Okay. I've been, I've wanted to do this for a full week, so I, I need this. Jeremy will now vent about his internet. So it's, you know, what, Monday? The storm started last Sunday, so we're now on day eight since it really got started. I still do not have internet in my home. No internet, which means no TV, which means I can't work from home, which means I sit on my couch bored all day with nothing to do. I don't know how anyone before 1990 didn't just blow their goddamn brains out every second of the day because that's what I want to do every second of the goddamn day now. Now your internet provider obviously initially said that you had no internet because Texas had no power. Right. Okay. So let me get into it. So I'm not going to name the company because who knows, maybe one day they want to pay us to do this. And if that's the case, 
I quit, but <laughs> okay. well, just just in case for your benefit, I'm not going to name them. So, understandably, they had outages just like many other companies. But and so when you would try to call them, the delay was so long, it, the automated system would literally tell me that I'd be on hold for days before I got an answer. Right. So I'm freaking out. Like, how do I get information from them? I figure, all right, social media. That's how companies get the word out this day. So I go to their Twitter profile and. They're replying to all the Twitter messages saying like, hey, we're so sorry about this. Send us a direct message and we'll let you know the status. So I do that. I get on the Twitter account that I literally didn't even create myself, was created by my college roommate to twit tweet the ridiculous things I said while in our apartment together. Oh my God, are you about to be canceled? I might be. <laughs> do not go on this Twitter account. <laughs> I, went, I used that. I messaged them just being like, hey, here's my address. Where are the allergies? They hit me with, you know, we, uh, the outages are still ongoing. We don't have an estimate. Fine. Two days later, send them the same message. This time it takes about 14 hours for them to reply to me, reply with the same message. Now it's going on day six and I still don't have internet. I've had power for days and the snow is starting to melt. So now I'm still trying to call them. I'm getting furious. I, I literally can't get a hold of anyone from their customer service. So now I start Googling internet company X. And you know how like Google has those uh, like recently searched questions? Yeah. Type of All of them are like, what's the worst internet provider? Why is internet X so bad? Uh, worst customer service voted internet X. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> this, this is my company. So now I go on their Facebook page. Maybe there's different information there. And I see one of the comments has a number it's separate from any number you can Google. And they say, I know people are on hold for three days. Call this number. You'll get on in two minutes. I call that number. I get on in two minutes. Oh. Now, at this time, I haven't heard. I've messaged 10 times in a row the Twitter profile. No response. Mm -hmm. So I get on in two minutes, and they tell me, oh, there's no longer an outage in your area. Okay. So let me try to reboot the system. And we're six days we're into six having days in now. no internet. So now I have, uh, I do the whole reboot, nothing's happening. They literally tell me, okay, sorry, we now need to send out a technician. There's nothing else we can do. It's just your home. It's not the outage anymore. Okay, when can you get a technician out to me? March. <laughs> 2022? Right. Like, do they not understand that, like, we're living in unprecedented times where everyone is working from goddamn home right now and needs the capabilities of the internet? So, you know, I call their biggest competitor in the in the uh, area. Yeah. And they're coming out tomorrow to give me new internet. All right. I'm, uh, this is, like, how do you not provide internet in 2021. Well, to be honest, in the last week... There's no more snow on the ground. Well, yeah, but Texas had trouble providing running water last I week. I don't care. So. There's no more reason for my internet not to work. What? Did a giant snowstorm only hit my house that it damaged my system more than every other system in my goddamn neighborhood? That is true. That, that customer service experience is like almost every customer service experience that I had when I was living in the UK. Like, they're, they're literally like, no one cares. They don't get back to you. And if they lose you as a customer, they blatantly don't care. So I am very concerned that service or lack of it like that would exist in the great state of Texas. You know what the worst part is? Is, you know, we've gone over this on the podcast before. I once upon a time was kicked out of the Apple store because of my anger with right. the Apple product. 
I couldn't even give them my amount of anger because their customer service couldn't even get me on the phone. So I had no one to yell at. Instead, I'm like texting angry messages to my mom. She's like, I don't, I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> I like it when <laughs> you're so not millennial in the fact that you understand nothing about technology, but when it comes to like, then I just text my mom. Then suddenly you become <laughs> very millennial. It. Yeah, that's the most millennial <laughs> way. I was looking up, have you ever heard of like the rage rooms? No. It's basically, I guess it's now like a trending thing where like it's a, a storefront where you can go and just break things. Oh. And uh, well, now that I've canceled services with Company X, you know, they're expecting me. They, they're sending me the box, but they're expecting me to collect all their uh, stuff and send it back to them. Let's Hell no. I'm taking that equipment straight to a goddamn rage room. I'm blowing it up. Literally with a baseball bat, office space style. I can't fucking wait. Rage rooms sound good. I'm, I'm going to Google oh, them. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, that's, uh, that, is a, that is a good concept. Well, look, let's take one positive from this because the, the thing that I take from that story is that as a result of this terrible uh, internet service that you have suffered, you have discovered that there are things called Google reviews and that, and that you can go onto a thing called Google and read normally many reviews about almost any business that exists in the world. And had you done that before you'd signed up for this uh, internet service provider, uh, you would have realized that they were terrible. So that's the positive takeaway from this. You know what Google reviews are. Next week, we might move on to MySpace. Now, you want to hear even the better part? Another thing I've been complaining about with this goddamn internet cable service, you know, for the last two months, I haven't been able to watch the Mavs games because Provider X decided not to make a goddamn deal with Fox Sports Southwest. Guess who now has Fox Sports Southwest? You know what? Spectrum Cable, we're in it, baby. Number one cable <laughs> provider ever. And if Spectrum Cable would like to uh, sponsor Did You America the podcast, of course, we are open for sponsorship. Of course. We'd be very, very uh, receptive. I'll wear, I'll wear a shirt. I'll tell you uh, a, few, a few things that I learned from the, uh, the power outage in Texas. Um, if you want to be safe in the future, it's a very good idea to move next door to a fire station because two friends of mine that live very near fire stations didn't lose power at all because if ever there's any kind of power outages that happen, the fire stations have to stay on the grid, obviously, because they require power. Um, and, and apparently that's not the same if you live next door to a police station because this apartment that we do this podcast from um, every uh, week... We are next door to a police station, and yet I lost my power. I was like, really? It's not the police station, you get cut off, but if you live near a fire station, you stay on the whole time. See, I'm confused about that, too, because I'm pretty sure, according to the grid, they should be on, too. And uh, uh, more proof that no one understands how this grid works. I live, like, two lights away from a hospital. How did I not have power? I think it, it might depend on which literally which side of the street you're on because I'm on one side of the street from the police station and I was part of the rolling power outages but I've got some buddies that run a vintage clothes shop right it's it's a great little place but it's this little boutique store it's it's like the the size of my bathroom right, right? 
and it's on a side street. They are. It's like one of these side streets that's getting rejuvenated in Deep Ellum. So they're the first store to move into this little street. There's okay. probably going to be more coming, but literally, it's a little boutique store uh, on a side street where there is nothing else. If if you expected the power to go out anywhere, you would have expected it to go out there, and yet that vintage clothes store kept power for the entire time. Wow. And I think the thing is they're on the opposite side of the police station to me. So I think like if you were north of the police station, you kept your power on. If you were south of the police station, you kept your power, uh, the, you, you were part of the, see, the rolling power outages. See, that makes sense because what I was confused about is, you know, I don't want to come off as like pretentious or anything, but... I was definitely on the rich side of the hospital, not the poor people side. You would think the rich people would have internet. I tell you, it was a good thing that uh, my buddies did in their uh, in their store. They kept on posting on uh, social media that obviously, you know, people were suffering hard times, and they said, "We're lucky, we've got power, um, and we've actually stocked up on food." So they kept their vintage store open during the whole Arctic freeze, and they said, "If you just want to stop by." Um, to keep warm or uh, take some food that we've got or you want to use our shower, you're more than welcome, which I thought was great. And then I thought to myself, how much do you have to buy? For, like, I mean, it, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're being they're presenting it as all charitable. But right. say, for example, if I just went to the vintage clothing store and, and I just said, oh, I saw on Instagram you posted, I just want to stand in here for half an hour to get warm because you've got some heating. What's that, a Ramones T-shirt? Right, like, I, do, I, do I have to buy a pair of jeans to shower? I mean, like, well, you know, I think that's the high end. I Like, if you if you went, for example, if you went in there and you, you, you stood around for an hour or so to use their heat, you ate some of their food, and you showered, that's probably a leather jacket with some patches sewn into it, right? <laughs> I'm joking because I know they listen to this podcast. Uh, I'm sure they didn't do any of that. And they were genuinely, genuinely offering people uh, some shelter and stuff. So um, anyone who wants to support them, because they have got a great... I've been in there and they've got some 80s Iron Maiden shirts that even I didn't have when I was a kid. And, and, and I wish I had them now because they're selling them for like 75 bucks a piece you didn't but i'm surprised you didn't buy them out uh, not not right now because i need a job but uh, but <laughs> and, and frankly needing a job at the moment i'm looking at these shirts going damn if i'd have kept some of my stuff from like 1990 when i was at school i probably could have like sold it for a right. fortune in this place it's but vintage anyway, now. well exactly well that's the thing these did like tatty old shirts that you haven't worn in 30 years that weren't even that special when you bought them the first time they're now worth a fortune but yeah they are a great store and they were doing a great service for the community i'm pretty certain you didn't have to buy a Ramones t-shirt to use their heat. You um, could have though. Well, you could have, yes. Uh, but they're called Ad Vintage, all right? If you want to, uh, if you, if anyone listens locally to this podcast, Ad Vintage in uh, Deep Ellum is where they are. And uh, before we move on to part two, one positive for this podcast that did occur as a result of Texas freezing was that we were promoted in the New York Times. Wow. Now, Jeremy, being the world's worst um, uh, millennial. millennial, I'm going to have to explain this to you. There's this thing called social media, okay. and people make posts on it, like they take videos and pictures, and then they post it on these platforms online. I'm and then lost. <laughs> and it's, there's a thing called Instagram. Okay. And you can search on hashtags for talking points and okay. stuff, and, and it exists on the, there's this thing called Twitter as well. Man, this is all confusing. <laughs> anyway, so... I take a picture 
of uh, the swimming pool in my apartment complex, which uh, on the first night of the big freeze is literally frozen. But somehow, and this is before all of the power outages started, the underwater lights were still working. So it, so it, so, so it, it looked amazing because it was basically this frozen pool that looks like it should be in some sunny resort because, you know, for most of the year, Texas is sunny with its underwater light still working, but the pool's actually frozen and it's at night, right? So I take a video of this and I, I post it on social media. Next thing I know, about an hour later, I'm getting these messages from someone at the New York Times saying, oh, I saw your photo and, you know, you work in media. Um, do you you would think that you have just like a permanent block on your social media for whenever New York Times pops up, it just like, you know, cancels that message out. Oh, I don't read their socialist propaganda, but I, <laughs> but, but I, was, but I was quite happy for them to publicize me. Right, of course, of course. And, um, and, and so, so they said, uh, you know, can we call you for an interview? And I said, absolutely, yeah. Watch me penetrate the fake news media. Here we go. <laughs> so... Um, so I get on the phone and um, there's this uh, very nice guy who's uh, talking to me and, you know, uh, and he was, uh, th this is the thing that got me about the interview. He was asking, you know, the questions that you would expect from, uh, you know, New York Times journalist of, you know, uh, of the power outage you started, how is it impacting you? They knew I was a British person living in Texas and they were asking if people in the UK were asking about the situation because it basically became a, a global news story and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm giving him the lowdown as you would expect a journalist uh, to, to ask for. And he uh, refers to the video that I posted of the frozen swimming pool. And then he says to me, yeah, I saw the pool had uh, frozen over. Have you been tempted to jump in it? <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, is this the New York Times or the New York Post? <laughs> like, what kind of a stupid question is that? That was the headline. <laughs> anyway. Crazy, <laughs> crazy Englishman attempts to jump in frozen pool. I was good. Well, I did think to say to him, Am I only going to get in the New York Times if I jump in the right. pool? Like, how, what, do how you much, want that video next? How, how much do I have to suffer for my art? <laughs> so anyway, um, but uh, you know, to, to their credit, they they wrote a very good article on um, the uh, the freezing temperatures in Texas, and uh, they did include a uh, the, the video that I took of my uh, swimming pool at my apartment complex. And um, th the best thing of all for this podcast was, as well as quoting me, they said, well, they promoted the podcast, right? You were amused by the way in which they described this very podcast. Oh, for sure. They basically wrote... Ian Canfield of Canada has a podcast. Canada. Of Canada, of England. <laughs> you know what? It's been a long week, man. <laughs> they basically wrote, Ian Canfield is from England, but he has a podcast about how much he loves America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe that the New York Times thought that was a completely alien concept that anyone, <laughs> that anyone could possibly love America after the last four years. There's definitely some new listeners right now being like, how could they love this place? <laughs> Well, anyway, so it's amusing. I, I post, then go on my social media a few days later and post a link to the article saying, you know, thanks to the New York Times for uh, promoting the podcast and interviewing me about the weather in Texas. And then I get all these text messages from friends from here and in the UK and everything. And they go, wow, New York, two things they all said. First thing was equivalent of, wow, you were in the New York Times and they promoted your podcast. Next point. 
have they actually listened to the podcast? <laughs> and I said... Not uh, a lot of vetting going on these days. I'm, huh? I'm guessing not. But if you are listening right now, New York Times, I'm very, very grateful for the fact that you promoted Did You America. And stick around for part two because you are going to love my Rush Limbaugh tribute. All right, let's do uh, part two of Did You America? Season two, episode we don't know because we've been on a snow week. Episode cold. Yeah, well, not as cold. This is the, the thing about the Texas weather that I do actually love. We had a week of the coldest temperatures in 100 years. Temperatures so cold that you needed to go back to the 1800s to find records that beat these temperatures for cold. And yet yesterday, uh, which was Sunday, I went out for a run in the afternoon because it was 73 degrees. Right. I literally am in shorts and a T-shirt today. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, let's update you on Song of the Week. About a million years ago, last time we did this, uh, Jeremy, New York producer, and myself chose some songs to get your votes. Uh, the results are as follows. Sacrificial by Rez featuring Paris, which was the New York producer's choice, 28% of the vote. Uh, Jeremy's choice was Gang Signs by Freddie Gibbs, 7% of the vote. Woo. Uh, well done to A Day to Remember Everything We Need. Uh, that was my choice, winning with 65% of the vote. As ever, with uh, Song of the Week, you can vote via our website, didyouamerica.com, or we have a poll on my Twitter. I am at Ian Camfield on Twitter, all right? Uh, here are this week's choices. Jeremy, what have you got? I chose S.G. Lewis, Back to Earth. I don't know a ton about this guy, S.G. Lewis. I just found the song when I was looking for new music to choose for this exact segment, I dare you not to dance to this song. All right. Um, Neil producer actually chose something that I was going to go for, but I was like, I'll, I'll let him have it. Uh, he's doing Bedhead by Manchester Orchestra, which is uh, a very good song. And as he has uh, effectively stolen what I was going to go for this week, I've, I've decided to go for, for some new French metal. So I've chosen Born for One Thing by Gojira. Okay. All right. These are your choices for the next seven days on Song of the Week. Uh, Born for One Thing by Gojira. Back to Earth by C... No. Back to Earth by S.G. Lewis. And uh, Bedhead by Manchester Orchestra. Uh, go to my Twitter, at Ian Camfield, if you want to vote on the poll there. Or you can uh, vote via our website, didyouamerica.com. That's also where you can find all the old episodes of this podcast. And buy a t-shirt, should you wish. Uh, let's do a quick bit of music news while we are talking about music stuff. Um, during uh, the recording of this show, Daft Punk have announced that they're going to split. What? Mm. Really? Huh. Um. Now, it's, uh, it I guess, they, well, they didn't put out a press release because that would not be arty enough for Daft no, Punk. I, I believe they, they um, uh, produced a video of them kind of blowing themselves up. The video goes to black and then it says Daft Punk, whatever year they started till 2021. So it's an artistic statement which suggests that Daft Punk have disbanded. So it's probably they're not on like bad terms. They got into like a robot fight or something. <laughs> <laughs> well you know, like in the movie euro trip you ever me, see that movie let me have a robot fight yeah let me ask you let me ask you this question though because that's an interesting point let's say for example uh it's not an amicable split as in they think they've reached the end of the road creatively and it's just that uh the two of them don't get along anymore 
if one of them left, but the other one carried on and got a new person in Daft Punk, could that still be Daft Punk? Or do they have... See, if it's a duo and one leaves, does that duo have to split? For example, if Hall and Oates had a big falling out, right, and say Oates was like, fuck you, I'm not doing this anymore, and walked off, but Hall wanted to carry on and just got another person who wasn't Oates, could they still be Hall and Oates? Uh, yeah, I'd be like, you have to change your name. You're Oates now. Right, like it's a spy thing yeah, where you just... Daft Punk. As long as one of them's involved, it's Daft Punk. Well, that forever. was a, that was a thought I did have about Daft Punk. I don't know if either of them necessarily need to be involved because I'm now reading all of these comments from people in the music industry going, "Oh my God, they were such a strong artistic force," and I don't know what we're getting. Like the guy who runs Beats for Apple Music or whatever it is, put out a statement saying, "Thanks, Daft Punk. I guess we'll have to figure it out ourselves from here on in." Oh, please, <laughs> like. All fuck off, like and and so all of these people going. Oh God, there's such visionaries, and I can't believe they've gone. I I question the work ethic here because they were blokes in robot outfits, right? They yeah, could just they, they could have been you know broken up for a long time. They just keep replacing that. Right. We wouldn't know. They could just stay at home and occasionally release new music. I mean, you don't even need to make albums anymore now because no one cares. You just put out songs here and there, and then when tours come back, if you can't be bothered to go out on the road, you send out other people dressed as the robots, and no one knows any difference. Go ask Gene Simmons what he's planning to do with Kiss when he can no longer <laughs> get on those massive platform boots and can't be bothered to get in the makeup he will absolutely have people in makeup going out touring as kiss whether he's there or not in fact i'm not even sure that gene simmons has actually been playing in kiss for the last 10 years anyway wow that's such a great conspiracy to start but you're right there's no way first of all like again no one knows what daft punk actually looks like this is a terrible business decision on their part right yeah yeah, yeah. so all of these people with their just being all of this oh god i can't believe these visionaries have gone and making all of these profound statements you know Ugh, no my reaction is well fucking lazy release some songs from home every year or so and send other people out there to do the touring also don't I talk to me about artistic integrity you've been wearing robot outfits for 20 years also screw their fake artistic integrity what real artists would have done that have been pretending to be robots for 20 years is they would have put out a message in nothing but zeros and ones and forced the audience to decipher it's saying, yeah, we are retired now. Stop listening to us. Yeah. Yes, right, exactly. They couldn't even put in some creative effort in announcing their retirement. That is a very good point. They did some explosion video. Who the fuck do they think they are, Bruce Willis? <laughs> Talking of exploding, um, Boeing 777 planes. Uh, on that, what, what are you laughing at? What a segue. That worked so perfectly. Did, did an engine not explode? No, it did, but like, man, we could have... We, we planned that perfectly. Right? Did, uh, I mean, we didn't even plan it, but it just occurred to me. I, I feel like I have, uh, I've, I've criticized Daft Punk enough right. that one of our <laughs> listeners has messaged me asking why I hate Oasis so much. We're going to get to that in a second. I've, I've moved on to Daft Punk now. I've upset all the <laughs> Daft Punk people. Um, so, yeah, there's a big story over the weekend about the, uh, the, the, the plane that suffered engine failure over Denver. Now, this is a, a, a miraculous story in so much as um, bits of the plane were dropping off over Denver um, just the falling debris from the sky could have created a lot of destruction. But I guess just by luck where the bits of the plane landed 
um, no one was hurt. And then the pilot managed to land the plane, um, even though it, its engine had failed. And it seems like it was literally falling apart in midair. Um, as a result of this, Boeing planes, um, the 777 planes are now um, grounded. Um, to, uh, who did uh, that uh, Scully movie, coronavirus actor? Oh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is like <laughs> waiting for the phone to ring. I mean, he's like, I did a great job of, uh, I'm, I, I, can I be the go-to pilot? Right. Well, I see. I'm still, pilot hero. I, I still vote for Denzel as the go-to pirate hero. Remember the movie where he flipped the plane while he was drunk? That's what a real pilot does. <laughs> I saw that movie while I was living in Arizona, going to college, two days before I flew home for winter break. Huge mistake. <laughs> when I read stories about this, it makes me think. Is it still true to say what people who are pilots and airlines will tell you, that flying is safer than crossing the road? That's always the, the old <laughs> right, phrase, yeah, yeah. right? I, so I should start by saying I've always been afraid of flying. I don't know what it is. Just Even as a young kid, I always felt like the way I'm going to die is in a plane crash where I will inevitably then go to rock and roll heaven where everyone who dies in a plane crash goes. Right. But yeah, that's a song, isn't it? It's, it is now, and I just sung it. Catch me on the charts. I uh, my not on a Daft Punk album because no. they're they're fucking lazy. No, I'm now Daft Punk. Oh, right. You're right. <laughs> okay. So my uh, my stepdad actually, so he retired a few years back, and what he decided to do as his retirement hobby was he got his pilot license, and now he flies like a little four seater plane. Oh, so, I mean, it took him a solid three four years with the plane before i got anywhere near because if there's one thing i've learned about planes from my lifelong fear is that small ones generally crash more than big ones yes so i've you know finally though he did get me up on it he enticed me by saying hey let's go to a casino and you <laughs> throw gambling in the mix i'm there you now know, risk my life I, i've been in one of those little planes once i don't think it, it's about the skill of the pilot just because of the physical size of the plane you right. are susceptible to way more turbulence oh, right? for, well see so that was the thing is you know normal plane when you feel that turbulence you get so scared because you Im you imagine the pilot freaking out from the turbulence but every little bump i could see my stepdad not reacting and just being fine so like that gave me a little bit more comfort still terrifying when you're going up and down but when you're in the plane and like you could see everything because you know you're looking at the front of the plane it is a pretty cool experience yeah i um i i was always of the opinion that you would be less safe going in a private plane because generally the experience would be, um, to your story, someone that you know who's a pilot and you know they do the safety checks and then suddenly you're up in the plane and you're flying around. Whereas if you get on a commercial flight, even if it's just to go, I don't know, 40 minutes down to Austin from right. Dallas, for example... Um, there are a number of crew and certain procedures. You, you, you think that there are going to be way more safety checks on any kind of commercial flight than on someone's private plane, for example. Yeah, absolutely. But the, there is one thing that private planes have because they're smaller that commercial planes literally can't have. And that's if something does go wrong with most 
private planes say they, they'll have a lever that you can pull and it shoots out a giant parachute and just lets you kind of coast down without control but well, like, the, the actual plane is a parachute yeah, so my my stepdad his or first plane he had you know they're crazy expensive so he split the rent with this other guy and they both own the plane and the other guy one time there was a malfunction and it was going down and he had to pull the lever and literally just you know you just literally float down to the ground and hope for the best because at that point you have no control so you might land on the roof you might land in a cul-de-sac but it's better than crashing going hundreds of miles per hour i i find it astounding that i've never heard this are you sure that your stepdad didn't just tell you that story to get you up in the plane to <laughs> make it was like yeah. hey listen we're gonna go to a casino and if going to a casino isn't enough to talk you into getting in my private plane don't forget if it all goes wrong we can just pull this uh what do you call it a lever i call yes, it a, a lever switch lever whatever uh, you just flick a switch and a parachute comes on and yeah. we can just float to the ground i did win a hundred dollars on that trip so <laughs> once on the way back i didn't care i was like oh we rich we getting it well, one of the things one of the things that sort of challenged my idea that um if you're on a commercial flight it would be safer is uh that the time i got stranded in winnipeg now there's a whole other story to this which i will do another day on a podcast about when i was meant to be flying from shitsville uk um to vegas which is an 11 hour flight and because of some passengers on the plane we had to make an emergency landing in winnipeg i mean imagine it's going to take you 11 hours on a plane to get to vegas and you end up in winnipeg in canada instead yeah stranded uh, in winnipeg sounds like the worst band of all time right it's also one of the well i mean it's one of my best stories but at the time it felt like one of the worst times of my <laughs> right. life i'll do that story another day but what i will say about it is this is that um we had to make an emergency landing in winnipeg and originally um, the plan was that the flight that we were on was going to get rid of these nuisance passengers and then take off from Winnipeg and carry on flying to Vegas, right? right? Um, but there's some sort of legal thing whereby if a plane, a commercial plane, I guess, makes a landing, they have to do inspections of the plane before it can take off again, right? And it turned out that this plane wasn't able to leave Winnipeg and then fly onto Vegas because they did the inspection and not only did they find something that was wrong with the plane, whatever was wrong with it, and we never got official confirmation as to what this was, it needed a whole new part and they needed to get that part delivered. Now that happened eventually, but my point is, no fucker check this when we left Heathrow in London. <laughs> like, so there was something that was wrong with this plan. And this is a full on- You got on, across an this entire is, this ocean is, before this, they noticed. This is a full on 747, <laughs> right? Like hundreds of people flying on a massive plane doing what, doing what was meant to be an 11 hour flight from the UK to Vegas. And there was something wrong with the plane to the extent that it needed a whole new part before it could take off again. And no one, the only reason they discovered that was because we had to make an emergency landing in Winnipeg. That, I mean, like, that's how you end up in rock and roll heaven. Like, that's the exact story of every rock star that's ever died in a plane. Well, my other uh, thing about, like, and there's about to be a name drop, stand by. <laughs> my other, because my actual experience, I mean, I, I, I hate to, like, <laughs> one-up you on the story of traveling in a private plane, but the only time that I actually went up in a four-seater plane 
was when I was being flown around Los Angeles by Bruce Dickinson, lead singer of Iron Maiden. Bloop. Hear that name drop? And um, I've actually got a couple of... Uh, was he flying? Yes. Oh, wow. So I've actually... Again, if I've heard anything historically, that's how you end up in rock and roll heaven. Well, there's a couple of... I've actually been on a couple of planes flown by Bruce Dickinson. So you probably don't know this, but like your stepdad, uh, years ago, he decided that flying was his hobby. So he learned how to fly planes. But he's a very, very ambitious person. And he decided after being able to fly a plane that that wasn't enough. And even though he's obviously got millions and millions of dollars and is, you know, lead singer of one of the most famous bands of all time, he decided that when he wasn't doing Iron Maiden, and during their time off, he wanted a second job being a commercial airline pilot. So, <laughs> so he, after getting a private license, he he studied. And I remember he showed me one of the manuals one day that he was studying f- from because to, to, to be a co- commercial airline pilot, you have to know so much oh, more, yeah. right? Um, and he basically uh, got a license to fly planes. So he would do um, commercial trips from the UK to Europe when Iron Maiden weren't working, when they weren't on tour, and, and, and actually had a job genuinely being a pilot flying flying people. Now, as a result of that, um, for publicity stunts, sometimes when Maiden were working, he would fly, they'd rent a plane, like not a, a tiny plane, but like right. a, a decent size, and he would fly media people from, say, the UK to France to go to an Iron Maiden show. So it was part of the, the, the you know, the, the, the jolly, as they call it in England, that you'd be, you know, UK journalist or radio person like I was, whatever, and you would go see Maiden play a show in France, but part of it was... Bruce Dickinson would be the pilot of the plane that flew you from from the UK to France. And so my two experiences with Bruce Dickinson flying the plane, one was on one of those flights with a load of other people. So it was uh, me, a bunch of media people, and a load of... um, Iron Maiden fans that were competition winners because I mean imagine Bruce Dickinson's your favourite singer ever and he's flying you to one of his own shows How in Paris How big is the plane? Um, I don't know like enough for like a hundred people let's oh say Oh my god okay so it's like a full commercial plane he's Yeah flying. yeah 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 wow. well I told you he's because he's got a licence yeah, to be I figured it was still like a private plane he's like oh, I'll fly people around. We're coming to the story of the private plane but, um, but in this particular instance there was a lot of turbulence right and I'm sitting next to a competition winner, right? Who and I get this, can't believe his luck that he's being flown to France for free to see an Iron Maiden show and he's on the plane that's being flown by Bruce Dickinson. Also, this was a nice touch. They made the flight number 666 for number of the beast. Of course. Right? Anyway, and I'm not a nervous flyer, but I don't I don't do well in turbulence. It makes me like motion sickness. I don't do well with that. So we're coming into uh, near France, near where and we're going to land, and we hit a load of turbulence, and it gets really rough, and like things are falling out of the overhead cabins, and I'm starting to break into a sweat. And before the turbulence, this fan sitting next to me had started arguing with me over whether Somewhere in Time was a better album than Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. (laughs) And he did not let up as literally people who were nervous flyers on this plane were screaming, luggage is flying around. 
I don't think we're going to die. And I'm, you know, I'm one of the world's biggest Maiden fans. <laughs> I love Maiden, but I'm literally thinking, oh, for God's sake, I do not want to go out while you're having an argument with me over whether the 1986 album is better than the 1988 album. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to die. I will say this, though. The uh, the, the private plane, because Bruce Dickinson flew me around in his private plane in Los Angeles once. Did you hear that name drop? Boop. Um that th- there wasn't any turbulence uh, during that, and that's the only time I've I've been fortunate enough to go up in a private plane. But that's how I know, you know, to your point about flying around with your stepdad, that the, the you feel a lot more turbulence, even if the pilot is really good, just because right. the planes are so small. And um, that was a great experience, just seeing the sort of California skyline and having Bruce Dickinson be the pilot. And and obviously he's a great pilot. He's, you know, commercial airline pilot. But at one point up in the air, it did occur to me, even though his flying was fine, as we're cruising around and he's going, see down there, that sunset strip and blah, 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 blah. At some point I thought to myself, if we get really bad luck and this plane goes down, this four-seater plane, the headlines are going to be, Iron Maiden singer and one other die in LA air crash. And that's going to be how I go out. One other. But it also may say that he killed you and then, boom, you're famous for life. (laughs) Yeah, then the internet company would sponsor this podcast. Not only that, then, boom, you're in rock and roll heaven. Imagine the shows you'll see the rest of eternity. Yeah, you really believe in this rock and roll heaven thing, right? It exists. <laughs> All right, before we're done uh, today, let's talk uh, a bit about the latest with the royal family because it's a thing that intrigues Americans, and I still don't understand why. I mean, there's a, a small percentage of diehard royalists in the UK who are just outraged by the decision of uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle to uh, reduce their duties from the royal family. Uh, as a result of which they are now officially out of the royal family, according to the Queen. But I've always felt that Americans are way more fascinated with the royals than Brits. And um, it's something I still don't get. So there's two sides to this argument, right? There's some people who think that Meghan Markle has effectively yokoed the royal family, (laughs) Right. right? She went in, she stole Prince Harry from them, She's made him, she's polluted his mind and made him step away from his royal duties. And uh, it's absolutely disgusting. And then there are other people who think that um, it's a fairy tale love story and that she's been treated incredibly badly by the press and who can blame them for wanting to leave. Um, and uh, it's just disgusting the way that the press are treating her, and that's the same way that they treated Princess Diana. And I kind of don't come down on either side of it because on one hand, I feel like they said that they were leaving uh, their duties from the royal family to move to America because they wanted a quiet life, but then as soon as they got to LA, they couldn't wait to sign a bunch of deals with talent agencies and Netflix and podcast companies and everything that suggests actually they still want all the attention because there's millions of dollars up for grabs. But then equally, if you take a step back from this fairy tale view that Americans have of the royal family, it's one of the most dysfunctional 
fucked up families ever. And if you were Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, can you actually blame them for deciding, actually, you know what? We'd rather live in Hollywood where the weather's nice and we can make a big amount of money by being celebrities signing the deals that we are signing because everyone in our family, apart from the Queen, is in some way fucking mental. See, I think your team, Harry and Meghan, solely because just like you, they clearly hate England. <laughs> Maybe, but I, I, I mean, I like, I still don't understand why Americans are so fixated with the British royal family because so many of them are screw-ups. The family's so dysfunctional. Your Disney princesses will not let you down like the <laughs> British royal family. You've got Disney Plus now. Isn't that enough? No, it's not. We have to make Meghan Markle, Cinderella, the other one, Sleeping Beauty. I'm guessing Prince William's like Shrek or something. <laughs> Well, yeah, he's a, <laughs> he's a bit ogreous. Well, the, the see the issue there, and again, this is something that they just won't bring up in the Crown. Is Prince William is morphing into his dad, Prince Charles? You can clearly see the resemblance, right? Yeah. Because Prince William used to be the good-looking prince, and now he's basically turning into his dad. Prince Harry is now the good-looking prince because some people may suggest that Prince Charles is not his dad. I was gonna say controvert. <laughs> I should have warned you. Sorry, I'm about to say something controversial i just said something controversial <laughs> i was gonna say we might actually have to change it to prince andrew is clearly the shrek of the family because like look at him he's the ogre well that's the other thing right i mean if you're harry and megan and you know as i say there might be some uh, there might be some evidence to substantiate the theory that she is the yoko ono of the royal family but equally you look at all of these fuck-ups that are in the royal family especially prince andrew right <laughs> who everything to do with epstein is just i mean first of all it's horrifying secondly the way in which he's dealt with it showing that he's completely removed from reality is absolutely crazy if you were harry and megan wouldn't you go oh, you know what let's just move five thousand miles to the sunshine and do a podcast because <laughs> because we want to separate ourselves from a crazy family including one pivotal member who clearly was on the lolita express flying to pedophile islands it's a lot better than cancun huh <laughs> Ted Cruz joke. I like it when you bring it full circle to part, part one. one. Yeah. <laughs> and also on that subject, by the way, um, I will say this, though. The Queen has decided as a result of uh, what Harry and Meghan have been up to that they are, because they were trying to sort of keep uh, their feet in both camps. They wanted right. to sort of downsize their royal responsibilities because basically they wanted to go to Hollywood and sign million dollar deals to be celebrities but they also Who wouldn't? well but they also wanted to keep some royal responsibilities because there are perks that come right, with that right. and i think that is that's a bit disingenuous of them but the queen the queen has said fuck off you ain't doing that. I've, I'm now releasing you from the family. Or I mean, she probably said, off with their heads. And someone <laughs> said, your majesty, we don't do that anymore. He's like, whatever, then just send them one of the hats that the guards wear. <laughs> <laughs> send them to the tower. <laughs> your majesty, we don't do that anymore. I think I might have already done the forthcoming joke. Send them to the Diana Tunnel. <laughs> I, I just tell me a way I can kill my grandson. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, 
I will, uh, I will reinforce my point that I've raised on this uh, show before. Uh, so, royal family, whoever they are, Harry and Meghan, I don't really care. But um, uh, the, the Queen, uh, as I said, that uh, Harry and Meghan Markle are now officially out of the royal family. And more evidence that the Queen is not to be crossed came from the Daily Mail online a few days ago. And with all of the stories about Texas freezing and everything that's going on in the world, um, the Ghislaine Maxwell story has been kind of buried uh, a little bit. But um, I still say that uh, when this story comes back around and all the details that she has surface, the repercussions are going to be astronomical. And remember, I said a long time ago on this podcast, I was kind of concerned that she's basically ready to name names and apparently show proof to reduce her prison right. sentence. Right. But the one thing she went on record as saying, the one person that she won't throw under the bus, old Ghislaine, is Prince Andrew. And I said, that just proves what power the Queen's got. Because Prince Andrew clearly hasn't got any power. He couldn't even do a decent fucking interview no. denying the fact that he was on the Lolita Express going to Pedophile Island. He's not a man to be feared. I didn't even know who he was till that interview. Right. And all he ca- all that happened from that interview was he was just, I mean, he was just atrocious. A sweaty right? mess. A sweaty mess. So he's not a man to be feared. Therefore, the reason why Ghislaine won't divulge details on Prince Andrew has to be related to the Queen. So I refer you to this Daily Mail online headline. Ghislaine Maxwell admitted Jeffrey Epstein did have tapes of Trump and the Clintons. This is how powerful the Queen of England is. Ghislaine claims that there are tapes of two ex-presidents, and she's not concerned that she might be hanged in her cell like Epstein, and yet she won't say anything about Andrew because he's connected to the Queen. The Queen officially more powerful in the underworld than two previous presidents. See, now, all other media, they're afraid to connect these stories, not us. Well, We're I, connecting away because there's clearly a clear connection that something is getting. I mean, you know, we've talked about how when she names the names, it's going to be like a festival lineup. Well, we just got the two biggest names on the poster. Jizzfest. Yeah, Jizzfest officially headlining <laughs> Trump and Clinton. Right. This is it. If this was because when she said she's got all of these names that clearly she's going to use to barter to try and get less of a sentence, there are going to be so many famous, influential people. I said it's going to be like. Like a festival lineup. Yeah. These, it's like she's announced the two headliners, Clinton and Trump, with more names to be announced. Jizz Fest is starting to look like a real sticky mess. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, just be aware, Harry and Meghan. Jizz Fest is going on with two previous American presidents, and yet old Jizz old Lane won't do anything that borders on a relationship with your grandma. We're telling you, it, most of the world will be shocked when somehow Meghan Markle ends up on this list. We're telling you now not to be shocked when Meghan Markle ends up on the pedophile island list. We're not saying she went there. We're saying the Queen's power is that strong. I'm telling you, there's, there's something in that. There is definitely something in that. Hey, look, we're out of time on uh, today's episode of uh, Did You America? Um, if you contacted the show, uh, I'll get round to uh, your stuff on um, Thursday's episode. 
because um, a bunch of people wrote in with a bunch of stuff and um, we need to talk about, there's a bunch of TV stuff. Uh, we, need, we need to talk about the fact that our cosmic powers on this podcast appear to have started a renaissance for uh, Craig Ferguson. You know my concerns that he's the only person, as far as I know, who's ever blocked me on Twitter, and I don't know why. And uh, we were big fans. We started talking about him. What do you know? Suddenly he gets a renaissance because he's in this new Britney Spears documentary. So we need to discuss that. Oops, we did it again. Ha <laughs> ha! Um, and, and there's a bunch of other TV stuff that people have been writing in about. If you would like to contact the show, uh, please reach out. Uh, you can contact us at um, didyouamerica.com. That's the website for this show. You can leave us a voice message if you would actually like to be on the show, or you can type us a message. That's also where you can hear all old episodes, and you can buy our Did You America t-shirts. They come emblazoned with a very bright American flag logo and a label inside that says Camfield, America, fuck yeah. How great do those t-shirts feel, Jeremy? It's the only way my nipples were able to stay warm during the freeze. There you go. Uh, Didyouamerica.com if you want to get in touch with the show. Vote for Song of the Week. Uh, Get a t-shirt or hear any previous episodes uh providing the power stays on and let's face it it will now because ted cruz is back to rectify everything of course uh we'll be back on thursday for those of you who listen in uh, anything approaching real time did we america today hell yeah we did